the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hi, everybody. Ron Geyer back with End Time Insights. It's an enjoyable time doing this. And matter of fact, you know, if you've been listening to me, you know I'm constantly giving the church warnings and constantly talking to the church about the dangers out there and constantly pointing out the weaknesses and the failures of the church. I'm like, God, I want to get us back on the right track. And he sends judgments. I don't send judgments, but I will let you know what we're doing wrong and give you the biblical solution to get us back on track. But last week I was reading Second Thessalonians, and for some reason this morning I was reading it again, and so I found something good that the church is doing. So I think I'd share that with you. Actually, I need a break. I mean, you know, <laughs> I can only look at all this negative stuff for so long, and I know how Jeremiah felt, although he's light years ahead of me as far as the stuff that he had to go through. I hope I never get there. But uh, he's called the weeping prophet. I'm not there. I'm not a prophet. I'm just a guy who's looking out for the church. So hallelujah. I am my brother's keeper, and I expect my brother to be my keeper as well. Thank you, Jesus. So Father God, use me today to, to point this out, Father God. Kudos for the church. Actually, there's two areas, Lord. So help me to explain them properly where people will understand. We'll take a break, Father God, from all the negativity. It's still there, and you still need the warnings. Yet today we're going to brag on the church. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The church, you know, they've come under heavy criticism. We've come under heavy criticism. Matter of fact, let me say this. We were in a Bible study last year, and one of the persons, because I kept on talking about we, 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 and they made the comment that, why are you including me in that? She goes, I'm not doing what they're doing. And I says, whoa. You know, I says, well, neither was Moses and neither was Daniel. And when they prayed, they said, we have sinned, we have shame, we are shameless. They included themselves in the sins of the people that they were governing. And it's just the heart of the intercessor. That's what you do. So it's never just me. When I say the church, I mean we, the church, we have messed up. So I'm including myself in that. And I'm also going to include myself in the good stuff today. And I'm only kidding. So here we go. The church has come under heavy criticism the last couple of decades, rightly so, deservedly so, based on our current assessment of our nation and our current assessment of the condition of the church. But we can't lose sight of the successes when we analyze the church's failures. Remember, it's God's church. And anything that God sets his hand to will prosper, will succeed, and eventually will turn out holy and for his glory. Just the fact that I'm sitting here talking to you is evidence of success by the church. And while it's true, we are in the midst of the greatest period of apostasy the church will see. Without the church here, it could be much worse. 
Well, the truth is, it will be much worse. But for now, let's look at a couple of verses in Second Thessalonians 2, shed some light on what the church is currently doing to help stave off the appearance of Satan's man himself, the Lord of sin, the Antichrist. Second Thessalonians 2, 3 through 7, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come. Oh, by the way, let me back up. That didn't take long. Let me back up. Let no man deceive you by any means. Remember, let, every time I come across that word, let, I want to tell you, let is a power word, P-O-W-E-R. Every time you see let, I can't wait to get to what comes next because what comes next is something I have the power to do or not to do, right? Let means you have the power. I have the power to what? I have the power to let no man deceive me by any means. So I will take advantage of that and I will not let any man deceive me by any way. For that day shall not come, what day? The day of the Lord, except there come a falling away first and that man of sin, the Antichrist, be revealed the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, the Antichrist, as God, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Paul says, Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things? Second Thessalonians 2, verse 6. And now you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now lets will let until he be taken out of the way. Let me give you the context of what's going on here. Uh, this is the second letter of Paul. Paul wrote Thessalonians, First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians, and he wrote to them, and he explained to them about the day of the Lord, the day of Christ, the coming day of the Lord. And he told them what that would look like. Well, in chapter 1 of Second Thessalonians, It talks about the persecutions and the tribulations that the Thessalonian saints are going through, and they're quite severe. And I guess at some point, according to Paul, someone came into the church and they were using those persecutions and tribulations to scare the saints at Thessalonica that they had missed the rapture and they were living in experiencing the day of the Lord. So Paul is writing the second letter to the saints at Thessalonica because someone either wrote a letter or he taught them falsely from the pulpit that the day of the Lord had already come. They were fearful that they had missed the rapture of the church and Paul had to settle them down that they had not missed the rapture. He begins by making a case for that by reminding them of what he already told them. By the way, I refuse to be labeled, speaking of the rapture, I refuse to be labeled with the great majority of Christians who are either pre-trib or mid-trib or post-trib regarding the catching away, the removal of the church from the earth. I believe in a Bible rapture of the church, and there's only one, and it occurs as it's been written. God tells us when it will be, when it's coming. He gives us signs, and he lets us know. And if you don't understand the tribulation, you will not understand the rapture. The tribulation is God's judgment upon the Jew. I am not Jewish. I've never been Jewish. I never will be Jewish. And no offense, I don't wish to be Jewish. That's not putting down the Jew. I'm just telling you the truth. I was raised Catholic. I became a Christian and I am a member of the body of Christ. I am a child of God. Hallelujah. I belong to Christ. I am a member of the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. He removes the church prior to judging the Jew. If somebody else is telling you anything different, just ignore them. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that the tribulation is the judgment of God upon the Jew. 
in order to qualify for the tribulation, you've either got to be Jewish or you have had to outright reject God. I am neither of those. Hopefully you are neither either. If you were Jewish, you became a born-again Christian and you're called a Messianic Jew. You will be a Christian. You will be a member of the church, a member of the church. It's a very exclusive, even though it's got millions, very exclusive part of the kingdom of God. It began when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and he baptized the church in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. It will end at the rapture of the church. People that got the Jews that got saved before then or that were um, uh, righteous in the eyes of God through the Holy Spirit indwelling them with the knowledge of God and people who get saved during the tribulation, they are not members of the church. The church is from the day of Pentecost to the rapture of the church. So that's what the Bible teaches. That's what I believe. My dad didn't punish me when he wished to punish my brother. And God doesn't punish the church when he must punish Israel. The only way you belong to the church is if you have already judged yourself as guilty, then repented and been washed in the blood of the lamb. That's the only judgment you will ever go through, child of God, is you judging yourself as guilty. That's the only judgment for your eternal soul that's required. And God's grace lets you do the judging. Isn't that great? I don't have to be judged by God. I've judged myself. I'm guilty. Hallelujah. I plead the blood. I get saved, I repent, and I'm here. And I don't have to worry about any other judgments. In the meantime, let's look at those verses that Paul is using to talk about. Don't forget, I want to talk about the good things that the church has done. And I'm trying to get to the point where the church is today staving off the appearance of the Antichrist. That's one of the assignments that the church has. It's very important. And right now, it's uh, right up there with soul winning. Like I said, the fact that you and I can have this conversation proves that somebody's winning souls out there. So the church is up and running. I do not believe there's going to be a tremendous, what's the word, revival before the church is removed from the earth. America has had its day. And there may be a revival in another land, but not in America. We've had our day of visitation. We've got a church on every corner. We have preached Jesus up and down, in and out, back and forward. And America knows the gospel of Jesus Christ. Problem is, America has rejected the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want him to be our Savior, but we do not want him to be our Lord. Well, you don't get to pick and choose. Either he's your Savior and Lord, or he is not. So, there is a gleaning going on for souls in America. The church is, of course, heading that, and the Holy Spirit is still bringing in our brothers, our sisters, family members we have been praying for, co-workers that we've been believing for, people that... We've been praying for for decades. They're coming in. That's the gleaning, the final gleaning. As far as a wholesale revival, there will be one, but we will be gone. That wholesale revival will take place in Revelation chapter 7, and it will cost people their lives. But hallelujah, better that than missing out. So let's look at verse 6, and let me explain to you the good job the church is doing But first, I'm going to have to go through these scriptures to let you know that Paul is talking about the church in these scriptures. Okay, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Paul is talking about the Antichrist, and he's talking about there is something that's holding him back, that's withholding him. That's actually the better word is restraining him. We are speaking about the successes in today's church. Here, Paul is speaking of the Antichrist, and it's important to note that this being has his own time. Let me read it. Verse six. And now you know 
what is restraining him, the Antichrist, that he might be revealed in his own time. The Antichrist has a time. That time, it belongs to him. It doesn't belong in church time. It belongs in tribulation time. There's a time and a place for everything. The Antichrist belongs in the age of the tribulation, not in the church age. We are speaking about successes. He is being restrained. There is an appointed time to the Antichrist, which has been set by God. But pay attention. The church also has an appointed time. It's called the church age. The judgment of the Jew also has an appointed time. It's called the tribulation. Christ reign on the earth before man's final judgment also has an appointed time, and that's called the millennium, meaning thousand years when Jesus returns to actually set up his kingdom on the earth. The church age ends when the judgment of the Jew begins. The judgment of the Jew begins when the church leaves. The Antichrist belongs in the time of tribulation when God reveals his judgment upon the Jew and the rest of the unbelieving world. One of the tools he uses for this judgment is the Antichrist. The Antichrist does not belong in the church age. His time is in the tribulation. His time is the tribulation. He is a main character in the tribulation, not the church. The church isn't even mentioned in the tribulation. The church and the Antichrist cannot occupy the same space at the same time. God will not allow it. He says so in verses 6 and 7. We'll get there in a minute, but first let me give you some background info on this second letter to Thessalonians. Paul had previously told the church at Thessalonica that they would not be here during the day of the Lord. That's why they were so freaked out. These saints were undergoing great persecution and tribulation, and they thought that they missed the rapture, and they were under the judgment that Paul spoke of when he taught them about the day of the Lord. You follow that? Paul had warned them that there would be coming a judgment by God. It's called the day of the Lord. And because of the excess of persecution and tribulation that these people were experiencing, they thought that they had missed it. Someone had written a letter or someone had gotten in the pulpit or somehow that idea got into them and they were freaking out. So they said, Paul, Paul, what's going on? So Paul writes this letter to rebuke those false doctrines, those false teaching. They thought they were in the day of the Lord. They thought they had missed the rapture. They were quite upset. Paul says, no, you are not in that time. That day has not yet come. And then he tells them two things that must first happen before that day comes. And that's found in verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, the day of the Lord, shall not come, except there come two things. One, a falling away, and the man of sin be revealed. Number two, the son of perdition. Well, check this out. Paul says, if you are believing that as a Christian, you are in the time which is called the day of the Lord or the day of Christ, you are deceived. Mm, That's not news to many of us. We don't understand that. We don't belong in the day of judgment. The church leaves you got to get that straight. Before the day when Christ is at hand or the day of Christ or the day of the Lord comes, the first thing that must happen is the falling away or in the Greek, the apostasy. Amplified, verse 3. Let no man in any way deceive or entrap you, for that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first. That is the great rebellion, the abandonment of the faith by professed Christians. And the second thing, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, the Antichrist, the one who is destined to be destroyed. So before the day comes, there will be a great falling away from the church. We are currently in that right now. It's actually a falling away, not so necessarily from the church, but it's a falling away from truth, the accepted truths that society has learned for 
centuries, one man, one woman, that's under assault. Many people in the church are the raptured. People are talking about the fact that you're going to get stuck here during the tribulation when it's been a known truth for centuries that the church will escape that wrath of God. Many churches are struggling with the virgin birth. There's 386,000 or so somewhat pastors in America today. Over half of them are not sure that Jesus lived a sinless life. These are known absolutes that have been in the church for centuries, and yet they are all under assault. And Christianity, we're down from like the high 90% uh, 50 years ago, 70% recently. Now we're down to 64% professed faith in God. And faith in God doesn't make you a Christian, but it's just going to show you the falling away from the Bible truths that we're experiencing today because of this great apostasy. So, Before that day comes, there will be a great falling away from the church and its truths. We're living that right now. The second great event that must precede the day of the Lord is the revelation of the man of sin. Paul told them neither of those two things had yet happened. He then explains why the second one hasn't occurred yet. There is something which is holding him back. There is much conjecture about who or what that is. The better word for what withholdeth would be restrains. Verse 6 in the Amplified, and you know what restrains him now from being revealed. It is so that he will be revealed at his own appropriate time. So something is holding back the Antichrist from showing up. And Paul told them that they knew. He told them what it was. But we seem to have all these wild ideas of what it is. Let's read the scriptures and see if we can find out what's going on. Something or someone is preventing the Antichrist from showing up on the earth. Notice the language. Restrains means to physically prevent, to hold back, to keep from manifesting. Well, we know that God must be playing some role in that, obviously, because we don't have the power. Mankind doesn't have the power to withhold him. Verse 7 will give us more information as to who or what is restraining him. For the mystery of iniquity or lawlessness doth already work. It's already at work. Only he who now lets will let until he be taken out of the way. Look at the phrase, until he be taken out of the way, talking about the Antichrist. Please note, out of the way. What way? Out of the way of the Antichrist. The Antichrist is coming. Where is he coming to? He's coming to the earth, right? But there's something in his way. Where is the Antichrist supposed to go? On the earth. He's not doing this in the heavens. He's doing this on the earth. He's going to manifest in the earth. There is something in his way, though. Well, obviously, it's not God. God doesn't get taken out of anything by anybody at any time. He's God. Who, then, is in his way that's on the earth today? Well, it can't be general mankind. That's obviously a no. Mankind has no power to stop anything. It certainly isn't mankind's government in the natural realm. They don't have any authority in that area. The Antichrist, while living in a man's body, is a spirit. The spiritual battles in the earth today are being fought by angels and the church with the indwelling presence of God through the form of the Holy Ghost. Angels will still be on the earth. They're not going anywhere as long as there's mankind angels here. So there's the church and there's the Holy Spirit. Well, the church is nothing without the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit must remain here to save people while the tribulation is going on. And the church, the Holy Spirit needs the church. That leaves us. The answer to the question is who is doing the restraining? It's the church with the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in the church is different than the Holy Spirit without the church. After we are gone, the Holy Spirit will still be here, but he will not have a church to work through. 
It'll be like the Jewish nations with David when the Holy Spirit came upon David and David played a soothing song on the harp and demons left Saul. It will be like the Holy Spirit fell upon Elijah or Elijah and he did workings of miracles. But then he left. The church has the advantage. The Holy Spirit came upon us and he came in us and he didn't leave. He promised he would never leave the church. Where the church goes, the Holy Spirit goes. When the church is taken out of the earth, the Holy Spirit goes with him. But the indwelling presence of the people that are in the church, the people who were left behind and get saved during the tribulation, will not have that presence. They're going back to the Holy Spirit visiting upon them and leaving after he accomplishes what he pleased. Yes, the Spirit-filled church is what is keeping the Antichrist from manifesting. And yes, it's partly due to our spiritual warfare against Satan, his demons, and his evil cohorts. Good job, church. But it's also that by our presence here alone, he is restrained from coming. Remember, we are the spiritual power in the earth today. Luke 19.10, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. He's talking to the church there, Jesus. Acts 1.8, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. So we see here the evidence that the church has power both over, one, all the power of the enemy, and two, the power to be witnesses for Christ. And that's what I mean, good job, church, because you and I are sitting here saved because someone told us about Jesus Christ. That's the power to be witnesses for Christ. Church did that. Good job. Then we see the fact that we have power over the enemy. Satan cannot show up as long as the church is here. Even if it's just by our mere presence, the Antichrist is not allowed to manifest. You must understand it. I kind of derailed to make my point about the good job the church has done while we have been here, but I hope you understand. The fact that you and I are here, living as born-again sons and daughters of God, bears evidence to the truth that church has the power to be witnesses for Christ. And the truth that we have been given power over all the power of the enemy is evidenced by the fact that the Antichrist, he's still at bay. We are restraining him. It's like we got our finger in the spiritual darkness dike. And the devil can't come through that opening until the church is gone. Remember, the Antichrist and the church do not belong in the same time. He has his time. We have our time. The church exits. And then and only then can the Antichrist come on the scene. There is absolutely no way, according to Scripture, both the church and the Antichrist could coexist during the tribulation period. So well done, church. Yes, we are struggling. Yep, we failed Christ in many areas. But at the end of the day, we have our victories too, and don't ever forget that. Remember, we are his. We belong to him, and he will have his way. We will bear fruit for the kingdom of God. That fruit will remain, and we will meet him in the air at his glorious appearing. I love it. I feel so refreshed. All I've done is point out the negatives of the church. You know, we have prayer meeting on Thursday night, and we always start. Let's pray for the church. Let's pray for the body. And it always begins with washing the church for the errors that we made. You know, there's things going on with Israel right now again. President Biden, along with the Canadian prime minister, even the Jewish prime minister, they're all in agreement. They're going to make a two-state solution to the problem in Israel. That means they're going to divide up God's holy land Can't do that, folks. You cannot do that. What do you think those hurricanes are out there now? Canada's about to be hit by the biggest storm they've ever had in their existence. It's no coincidence. God sends his judgments to let us know you cannot mess with my people. Anyway, we need to pray. Amen. So join me. Father God, I thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost in your church. I thank you that your church is holy, Father, that we have been set apart and we are bearing much fruit for your kingdom. 
and that fruit is remaining. I love, Lord, that you are coming back for us to bring us home with you. Father, be merciful to those who may be in error, O God, concerning the doctrines, concerning the timing, concerning the role of the church, Father God. We are not appointed unto wrath, Father God. You know their hearts, Father. Save, heal, and deliver their souls from the power of the enemy in Jesus' name. I thank you for Christ in us, the hope of future glory. I pray for the souls of men who hang in the balance, Father. I ask you to send them the gift of repentance, Father God. Bring them to a place of humility. Cause them to recognize their need for you, Lord. Draw them, please, by your power to you. Win them by your great love for them and deliver them from evil in these final days, O God. Be gracious to your church, Lord. Prepare us, Father God, for whatever persecution and suffering we may face. Perfect that which concerns us, O God. Strengthen us for the battle and place us where we need to be, Lord, to bring you the highest glory, the greatest honor, Father God, in the hearts of men. I pray this, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.